Well, happy Friday as we're still celebrating this new year. It is the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gamison. Hello, Adam. It's great to be with you. And as you know, uh, on the Speaking For Him podcast, uh, we don't talk about politics too often. Um, so many of you know that that's one of my passions. I try not to talk about it too much here on the show. But one area where we really dip into it a little bit is the area of the sanctity of life. And this year is no exception. Um, in a few days, uh, or within within a few days of this posting, uh, this episode posting, it will be uh, January 22nd, which means that it will mark f- 44 years. I had to I had to think about that because I think in last year's I might have said 44, but I did do the math this time, and it, it will be 44 years January 22nd um, that abortions have been legal in the United States of America, basically through all nine months of a woman's pregnancy, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today and our springboard is actually in an intro video that I'm going to have Adam play for us to talk about a a recent legislation that just came down in the last couple weeks in the state of Ohio. So, Adam, why don't you roll that video? Ohio Governor John Kasich has vetoed the heartbeat bill and signed a bill that bans abortions after 20 weeks. NBC4's Olivia Fecto is live at the State House with more on what this means tonight. Olivia? Yeah, Ellie, Colleen, Governor Kasich signed the bill that would ban abortions at the 20-week mark, but used his line-item veto to uh, veto a proposed amendment to a child abuse reporting bill. That so-called heartbeat bill would have banned abortions when a fetal heartbeat could be detected. That's usually around the six-week mark. Governor Kasich said he vetoed it because a couple of other states had tried to pass similar bans, and those were ruled unconstitutional because of Roe v. Wade. The 20-week ban that was approved by the governor today is similar to ones that already exist in more than a dozen other states. Some pro-life groups like Ohio Right to Life are on board with the 20-week ban and say it is a challenge to Roe v. Wade. But some other pro-life groups have said this is not good enough. They wish that the governor would have uh, would have approved that six-week ban. Pro-choice groups, though, as you might imagine, are not happy with either of these proposed bills. And they especially weren't happy to find out that the 20-week ban did not include exceptions for rape and incest. Of course, there will be much more debate about this to come. We're reporting live at the State House. Olivia Fecto, NBC4. Okay. Um, first of all, let me just say that I do applaud Governor Kasich for signing the 20-week um, uh, abortion ban uh, for 20 weeks and above. Because I, I, unlike some people, I believe that that progress, any progress we can make toward the sanctity of life, is welcome progress. So I applaud him for that. The second thing I want to say is I am disappointed that he chose not to sign the heartbeat bill. Uh, Because if you think about it in the context of life, when someone is not doing well and we're wondering whether they're going to pass away, what's the first, one of the first things we look for? We look for a pulse, but we also look for a heartbeat. If a heart's not beating, we usually, um, that's usually a, a good precursor to death. As a matter of fact, many people who have heart attacks, which is where the heart ceases to work in its proper fashion, do pass away from that. 
And so it really is a barometer of life and death. And so, and it's a very clear barometer. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's something we can measure. It's not something that's subjective uh, to opinion. It's, it's a fact. A beating heart is a fact. And so I thought that this bill was very reasonable. Of course, I am ardently pro-life, so there is a little bit of bias there. But the, te the, the science, uh, technology backs up science. You know, I was thinking about this before we came in to record. I was thinking about the fact that perhaps in 1973, there might have been a little bit of room for people to argue whether the fetus, the baby, I'm not going to use the word fetus because that's what the left uses to desensitize us, but the baby was alive. There was some question about that, question about what viability means. But now that we have the technology we do and the life-saving measures that we have, babies are able to be born earlier and earlier and still be viable humans. And uh, so, and of course, I don't think that viability necessarily even gives a human value. I think it's it's given by God, and He He ordains life, and and life should should live out to its to its natural course. Um, I accept that if you commit a murder, I believe the death penalty is a good thing. And my biggest argument is in Genesis chapter nine, uh, because Genesis chapter nine says that if a man sheds uh, another man's blood, his blood should be shed. And this is before God ordained the law. So I don't believe we can toss it out just because, um, just because it's, it's pre law and we're under grace now. I also think I'm pro death the penalty because of the preciousness of human life. But the primary focus of today's show is on unborn human life. And so uh, and the reason I wanted to use this as a springboard is because this is what's being talked about today, uh, fresh on this issue. And uh, the thing that I, one of the things I want to do today, but bef um, but I don't want to get ahead of things. First of all, Adam, as you listen to that news story and you listen to my intro, um, do you have any thoughts? My uh, first thought is I'm I'm grateful at least. Something was done and something was signed. I, I feel like for so many years since Roe versus Wade, it was just kind of like, okay, that was passed. It's constitutional now to have an abortion, and then that was it. And at least now it seems like in the past few years in Ohio there and maybe in a couple other states as well that it seems like some pro-life bills are starting to get some steam. So that's so encouraging. But at the same time, like you would mentioned, there's still so much work to be done. I mean obviously we, we want to get to a point where – we never hear of another abortion being done ever again. So uh, bittersweet is the best word I can say for hearing that. It's like we're on the right track, but yet we still have long, long ways to go. And and you can bet that there's still the 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 liberals are still going to challenge the twenty week ban uh, because they they don't want any acknowledgement that life is life and that we should protect it. So they're they're going to challenge that. So I don't expect it to go away anytime soon. Uh, but I am optimistic because Donald Trump said from his mouth, I'm going to appoint pro-life justices. I'm not afraid to make that a litmus test um, for my justice pick. So hopefully his advisors hold his feet to the fire on that and, and make sure that they put up some good choices and uh, that we weather the storm. We should, we should be in pretty good shape. I mean, I know the, the Demo I mean, the Democrats 
are going to try to filibuster any choice he puts out there, but we have majorities in the House and the Senate, so things should should uh, go reasonably favorable for us as we seek um, for a new justice, so we can be praying about that. But one of the things I wanted to talk about specifically today is the decisions uh, that came down in January of 73, and most of the time we spend time talking about Roe versus Wade. That's kind of the one that gets all the press. But in, uh, but there's also Doe versus Bolton, which was a companion piece, and I just want to explain each of them in brief for you. Um, according to Enro.com, and I'm, or what is it? Enro, is it .com or .org? I want to make sure I get my facts right. Enro.org. Enro.org. According to them. Here are the differences between Roe versus Wade. Um, first of all, Roe versus Wade said that you could have an abortion up to the age of viability, which is kind of a sticky wicket in and of itself because, as we've discussed in the intro, the age of viability has lowered considerably because of technology and because of what we know about human babies. But it was defined... Um, in Roe versus Wade, I believe I have it here. Um, the United States Supreme Court stated in stated in Roe versus Wade that viability, the in other words, the interim point at which the fetus becomes potentially able to live outside the mother's womb, albeit with artificial aid, is usually placed at seven months, twenty-eight weeks, but may occur even at twenty-four weeks. And I believe nowadays, in recent years, we've seen it happen younger than that. Um, but even that is an ambiguous thing. So then, uh, fast, and then on the same day, there was a decision called Doe versus Bolton, in which there was a health exception given for abortion. Uh, but the problem is that the health exception included. Um, that the doctor would decide in his best judgment along with the woman uh, what what constituted health. And um, there was a variety of reasons, including physical, emotional, psychological, familial, and age. And basically what happened is all these factors added up to you can get an abortion in most states for any reason at any time in pregnancy. And a lot of people don't want to realize or acknowledge that. You know, a lot of the left will say, well, well most people can't get abortions um, after 20 weeks anyway, which is a misnomer. Um, there are various states working to limit it, as we've already discussed. Ohio followed suit with North Dakota, who tried to get a 20-week ban on the books, Theirs, I believe, has already been thrown out by the courts. Um, so this is not an easy prospect. And basically what Doe versus Bolton did was to allow for whole-scale abortions. Because first of all, Justice Blackman, who issued the, the victorious opinion in Roe versus Wade, uh, talked about the age of viability and made it ambiguous enough that, that it's not a clearly defined thing. 
You know, there was like a four-week window in there. So it's not very well-defined. And then Doe versus Bolton just said, any health problem, um, and we get to define what health means. And so that's why so many pro-lifers are are wary of health of the mother uh, health of the mother provisions in pro-life bills because there's already health of the mother provisions. There's already support if 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 we followed Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton more to the word and not to the broad way that it was written. If it was written more ironclad and concrete, it would be a much they would be much more pro life decisions than they are. But they were written ambiguous for a reason, and thus we have over a million abortions a year in the United States of America, which to me is completely unacceptable. And people always talk about rape and incest as viable exceptions. And to that I say, why would you want to add the trauma of an unborn baby being ripped out of your womb um, to the trauma of having been been forcibly raped? I don't begin to try to enter into what someone has gone through if they have gone through that, and I, I grieve with you if that has been your reality. But I also have heard from... I also have heard testimony from more than one person who was conceived by rape. And that whole person and their ministry and their impact on the world would not be available had they been aborted simply because their mother was raped. And so I think we need to look at this from a from a realistic standpoint and, and say life is life. To me, that's the bottom line. A beating heart is a is a, sig- a signal of life and if and if it wasn't life there'd be no reason to eliminate it see that that's the thing that i come back to all the time too is if it wasn't life why are you in such a such a hurry to eliminate it mm-hmm. and uh so and they they have not been able to come up with a good answer to that question because they don't have one um like i said it, it used to be maybe in the 70s i don't know when ultrasound technology came in Maybe I'll research that for next year's show. But um, it used to be that you could kind of make the case that maybe it, maybe you didn't know it was life yet. Now technology will not allow you to make that assumption. Now you can you can say that murder is okay, but technology and science doesn't give you the leeway to say that this, in fact, is not murder. And interestingly enough, Norma McCorvey, who was the plaintiff in uh, Roe versus Wade, the one that uh, the complaint was issued on behalf of, and Sandra Kano, who the complaint of Doe versus Bolton was issued on behalf of, were ardent, became ardent pro-life defenders. They they did not, um, they they did not end up supporting the, the very thing that, that they supposedly stood for. And Sandra Kano, I was reading about her, and she said that she never wanted an abortion, that she was deceived into being placed on this on this Supreme Court battle, and she didn't fully understand it, but she never would have sought an abortion. So and that's not necessarily the same for Norma McCorvey, but I but I, I but in reading about Sandra Kano um, who is no longer with us, I realized when I went on her website, um, 
the other day, or yeah, the other day that she passed away a few years ago. But they both have fought for the pro-life cause. Interesting side facts. So, Adam, uh, do you have any thoughts as we wrap up this episode? Um, I think just the continued thought of just praying and uh, just just being proactive. Um, it, it's tough because it's it's one of those things where. God's bigger than anything, but it's it's been a big problem in America for 44 years. So it's not something that's going to change overnight. But I think just praying that that life comes first and, and just for God's grace to shine in all these situations. And, you know, if you know somebody or of someone that, you know, maybe they just found out they're pregnant and they're considering abortion or they're getting pressure to get an abortion, um, just sit down and talk to them and, and do it out of love. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, you're, you're considering abortion, you're a horrible person or something along those lines at all. It, it, just talk to them and be honest because when we get down to it, I know for so many years the saying has been, well, it's, it's my body, my choice. But, you know, really, really it's the baby's body and it, it's, it should be the baby's choice. And I, I don't or can't see any baby saying, I, I would like to be. Ripped out of my mother's womb. I think they would all want a chance at life, just like their mother has as well. So, just keep that in mind as as, as you're praying through situations, and and just reach people in love and kindness. And and it's such a it's such a thin ice topic in in life right now, but um, it's necessary. We, we we have to keep fighting, whether that's just by giving a woman a hug who's not expecting or didn't expect to be pregnant, or um, you know, fighting with with all you have for the right thing. All right. Well, um, we have a very special uh, song to close out the show. But before we do that, I realized uh, that we did not open with our quote of the day. And we do have one. And I think this is a very important one. So, Adam, why don't you give us our quote of the day? This comes from Elizabeth Cady Stanton. When we consider that women are treated as property, it is degrading to women that we should treat our children as property to be disposed of. As we see fit. And to me, I think this is a key because Elizabeth Cady Stanton was known as a feminist. And she fought for women's suffrage, which was the women's right to vote. Because in the early days of voting, you could only vote if you owned property and women weren't allowed to own property. And so this was a feminist of her day. And yet she's extolling the the value of human life. So all these feminists that are running around saying, it's rights for women, it's, it's oppressive to women um, to to have abortion you know one of the people that they uphold as a pioneer in their field is saying no life is important and so that's why i thought this quote was important and so now i want to share with you this song and i looked it up on youtube because i had heard it way back when i was a kid i think the first time i heard it was on focus on the family with dr james dobson um, it's kind of interesting. I, I kind of told someone in the early days of my podcast, that's, that's kind of how I model my show is kind of as a focus on the family type podcast. And I hope that, um, that you have been benefited in your family for having listened to these shows, but I want to share with you this song by Donna Scallion. I couldn't, uh, find the year that it came out and I will link the YouTube on the, um, uh, episode page for this podcast. Um, so let's listen to Donna Scallion and Little Baby, and then I'll come back with a final thought.
have it. Donna Skillion with Little Baby. And as I said, that's a song from the 80s. So we're going way back to when I was a little kid. I've always liked older music, though. And uh, that one had some pep to it. And I really like the message, obviously. And so I hope that that was an encouragement to you. And so as we mark this 44th anniversary of Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton, I ask that you would continue to pray for our country, that we would uh, once again become a country that uh, embraces life. I have long said, and I still believe, that if we can't protect the most vulnerable among us, then we don't have much else to stand on here in the United States of America. So I'll be praying for America in the days ahead, especially as we approach um, this new administration with President Trump coming into office And I know Adam will be praying as well, and we just ask you to pray along with us. We hope that you've had a a wonderful um, time listening to this show, and we hope that it's given you some encouragement. And um, we'll definitely link to nro.org and also this YouTube video in the show notes for this episode. So make sure that you hit up our blog at uh, speakingforhim.blogspot.com and make sure you contact us at the contact information that's about to roll. We'd love to hear from you for a variety of any reason you would have to contact us. All right, with that being said, I will just simply say, have a great weekend and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.